You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday, everybody. This is John B. from GangreenNation.com welcoming you to the Locked On Jets podcast as we kick off another week. It is May 7th, 2018. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to it. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it on Spotify. You can do it a couple other places. And we'll deliver this, your, the show to your device each day so you can listen whenever you feel like it, whether it's on your commute, whether it's at the gym, whether it's getting nice now so you can go for a run, maybe listen to the show. And best of all, it's free. We don't charge you anything for it. So hopefully you enjoy it. And if you do, give it a good, good review in iTunes. We certainly appreciate that. It helps us out. And thanks to those who have done so. Well, today we're going to talk about Sam Darnold, and I guess it's no surprise that Sam Darnold is the topic. He's the big topic around the Jets, and he, of course, was on display this weekend at the rookie mini camp. And the Jets have had their little three-day rookie mini camp. The reporters were allowed in on Friday and Saturday, but not Sunday. The Jets actually ended up signing all three of their sixth-round draft picks. I guess while they're in the building, might as well get that done. Really a formality. I've never heard of a sixth-round pick holding out. Sixth-round picks don't really have much leverage. And not, not, not that really many draft picks do in this day and age. Even the Darnold negotiations should be pretty simple, I would think. There really are there are a few uh, points that need to be bargained out, but it's really not a situation where you would expect there to be any snags along the way. You'd have to treat it the way the ridiculous way the Chargers treated the, treated the Joey Bosa negotiations a couple of years ago to run into any trouble. So that work is done. The Jets also signed a couple low ticket small small items small ticket guys uh, over the weekend. Uh, one of whom was a tryout player during the rookie mini camp, and the rookie mini camp, it has the draft picks, it has the undrafted free agents they signed, but it also has a bunch of tryout players. The the bulk of the players are actually tryout players, and part of it is just the Jets are just taking a look at guys, and part of it is they just need enough bodies in there at each position to be able to run drills. Since it's a uh, you know the players on the roster, the veterans aren't aren't a part of this. So Jets actually did sign a couple guys, not not really big names though. And all eyes, of course, were on Darnold, and I'm not even going to go into his performance or the performance of anybody else because, you know, there were buzz of this guy looked good, that guy looked good, but it's a rookie minicamp. You know, it's the first weekend that they're there. They're just learning the playbook. In many instances, and coaches will say this, they're quite open about this, they're just throwing as much as they can at these players to see what they can absorb quickly. It's the probably the least important weekend of their careers, if we're going to be honest, for most guys. I mean, does anybody remember what any rookie ever did at his minicamp? And it seems like every year, you know, there are great stories about, you know, this guy, this guy looked great. Well, naturally, this guy's good. You know, it's, a, it's usually a draft pick, a fairly high draft pick. Of course, he's going to look great. He playing against guys who went were drafted in lower rounds than him. So, you know, I, I would encourage you to kind of put away either positive or negatively stories of how draft picks looked in rookie minicamp. It's, it's rookie minicamp. Nobody really cares about that. Um, and so really the big stories, I mean, to the extent there were stories, they were around the Jets signing guys, you know, signing their three sixth round picks. And we look forward uh, as we continue to move through the off season and toward the 2018 season in a couple months, we're a couple months away from training camp. We're still in the off season program, but today is, our focus is going to be Sam Darnold. And I'm going to bring up a topic and I hesitate to bring this topic up because I don't like a lot of the comparisons that are made. But I can't help but think back to the last time the Jets traded up to the 
to, to a high first-round pick to draft a quarterback. And that, of course, was nine years ago when they moved up for Mark Sanchez. And let's get, out of, let's get a few things out of the way here, and I'll explain to you why I don't like general bringing these two up together because i don't like the compare i don't like the correlations people draw that though the jets drafted the usc quarterback and people will say well usc doesn't produce any good quarterbacks which is just a ridiculous way to judge a guy like darnold's because these guys are all individuals you know one prospect's failure nine years ago does not have anything to do with sam darnold today and the idea that Sam Darnold is going to fail because past USC quarterbacks haven't been that good. It's just kind of silly. And it's inaccurate because Carson Palmer put together a really good career out of USC. And, you know, you look at some of the other guys. I mean, who were the – I mean, there were a couple of big-time prospects, Sanchez, Matt Leiner. But it's not like – you know, Carson Palmer was a good player. So that's that – first of all, Carson Palmer should put it to, to rest. But second, these guys are all individuals. And third of all, and this is a pretty important point – USC is very different from the days when Sanchez played. You know, back in the Sanchez days, USC was one of the top programs in college football. You know, they had talent up and down the roster. It was a it was a tremendous tremendous program Pete Carroll built, and they had again they had NFL players all over the place on offense, and they had guys that were you know making plays. There were guys, and one of the very um, one of the very prescient scouting reports I read on Sanchez talked about how. He infrequently had to throw into tight windows because his receivers were getting such great separation. So that led to a question of how much the offense moved because of Sanchez and how much his life was made easy. Well, that wasn't the case with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold was a guy who did not start the 2016 season as the quarterback at USC. He was the backup, and that team was in deep trouble. They got off to a terrible start, and they were—I mean—that team was in that team was circling the drain. And I mean, there was talk that coach was getting fired. I mean, the program was in disarray. Darnold goes in and Darnold leads them to the Rose bowl and the Rose bowl victory, a classic Rose bowl victory over Penn state. So that alone, again, that's another thing that should just put the, and I, I, I can't believe how much time I'm spending talking about why this comparison makes no sense, but I think it's important because when I talk about Sanchez nine years ago versus Darnold today, I think it's important that we that we put that out of our head, the, the, the idea that these are the same players, that they're going to fall into the same pitfalls. That's not necessarily the case. And, you know, to the extent Sanchez failed, the reasons that Sanchez failed don't necessarily apply to Darnold. However, today I'm going to actually take a more positive train of thought. I'm going to give you things that are different that I think are going to help Sam Darnold that were not necessarily in place and i think there are, there are a couple of things that a couple of key things that i look to that were not the case nine years ago that are the case now for sam darnold this is the locked on jets podcast and today we are talking about sam darnold and comparing the situation he enters to the one mark sanchez entered nine years ago which of course was the last time the jets drafted a quarterback in the first round and there are two big areas where i think things are different this time and in both instances i think they're different for the better for, for the Jets, and it's the situation they've set up. The first one is the quarterback room, and I think if you look nine years ago, it really was not clear exactly what the alternative was for the Jets to start Sanchez. They really did not have a quality quarterback they could trust on the roster to start other than Sanchez. And I think in many ways that proved to be, that proved to be problematic. 
you always want your number one quarterback, you always want your number one draft pick to be able to step into the lineup right away. In an ideal world, that's what happens. He takes the bull by the horns, and he's ready to play, and he's ready to play good football right off the bat. The Jets really needed Sanchez to do that because they had no alternative. You look at the the other quarterbacks who were in the room at that point. They had Kellen Clemens, who had been the second-round pick in 2006, and was a guy who he really did not have much success for the Jets. He started a bunch of games 2007, then in 2008 the Jets traded for Brett Favre, and I think it was pretty clear by that point that the Jets had kind of given up on Clemens, and with good reason. Clemens really had not developed the way they were hoping he would. His 2007 season was rough. He started games near the end of the season after Chad Pennington got hurt. He really was not much of an option. He had Eric Ainge, who had been a draft pick of the Jets in 2008, who was he was he was a a late round draft pick, and uh, you know there were people who actually really liked Ainge as a potential sleeper prospect, but um, he was a guy who he was dealing with some demons, some personal demons, and he he's another guy who never really amounted to much in the NFL. So there really Ainge was never really an option for uh, the Jets. So the options were really start Sanchez or start Sanchez. The Jets needed Sanchez to play right off the bat. There was no other viable option. Whereas if you look what the Jets have done this year, I think the Jets are in a position where they are not going to be forced to start Darnold from week one. Now, I've said my piece about Josh McCown. I'm not a big Josh McCown fan, and I think the Jets overpaid to keep McCown. But what's done is done. And the fact of the matter is the Jets do have a quarterback on their roster who they feel comfortable starting. They were comfortable, and I think they might feel comfortable conceivably if he had to start the full year. Now, that's not what they're hoping for. They're hoping Darnold's ready to step in, if not at week one, at least at some point this season. But they were comfortable enough with McCown starting 13 games last year. So the Jets are not going to have to put Darnold in a second before they think he's ready. Because, again, they, they're fine. I think they're perfectly fine with starting Josh McCown. I think they believe in Josh McCown. I think they like him. So it's not the same situation it was nine years ago. Nine years ago, there really was no other alternative. Sanchez was going to get the starting job just because of the mechanics of the situation. I mean, your number one alternative was probably Clemens, who a guy who they had already moved on from, a guy they had already given up on. Now what you have is a guy who they know, look, they know McCown's obviously not a long-term option. He's going to be 39 years, years old, but he's a guy that they view as at least a present option, a guy that they're perfectly fine with if he's the starting quarterback and a guy they believe in. And beyond that, they still do have Teddy Bridgewater, who could conceivably play his way into the mix. Now, Bridgewater's situation, I think, has become complicated by Darnold's presence. I think Darn, I think in many ways, Bridgewater was kind of a hedge. The Jets were hedging their bets when they signed Bridgewater because they at least wanted to have an upside option on their roster. Because at the point that they signed Bridgewater, they did not know. This was before they had traded up to the third overall pick. They did not know what the draft was going to bring them in terms of quarterbacks. Now, I think it was obvious the Jets were going to pick a quarterback at some point, but was it going to be somebody at six who needed more time to develop? You know, was it going to be a bigger project? Was it going to be a Josh Allen? I don't know, maybe a Lamar Jackson. Would it be, would they be waiting to day two, maybe take a Mason Rudolph instead? If you drafted a guy who was a bigger project, Bridgewater is a nice option to have on the roster because he's the type of guy you can conceivably put in there while the young guy sits on the bench for a year. Now with Darnold around, I think Darnold's a guy who, compared to the other quarterbacks in this draft class, has much higher odds of being able to play on day one. So I think Bridgewater's 
path to making an impact on this roster has been complicated because now it's all about Darnold. It's all about when Darnold's ready. It's all about that. But conceivably, Bridgewater is another option if McCown, you know, if he plays well, maybe he plays McCown out of the starting role. But at the very least, you do have McCown. You can trust, or at least the team can trust. So you're in you're in a decent spot there, and, that, and I think that's good because. I don't know that Mark Sanchez's career would have turned out differently had he been able to sit a year or two. You know, you, you can never, and this is one of the things that makes it so tricky is you can never play out the alternate scenario to know for sure. But I'm pretty confident in saying that it did not help Mark Sanchez to be started from day one. And look, we know that just sitting doesn't necessarily guarantee you that you're going to be a good quarterback. I mean, Christian Hackenberg sat two years. I don't think Christian Hackenberg has much of a chance to amount to anything. I don't think he has a chance to be much of a chance to be a starter, much of a chance to be a backup. And I'm hedging my bets here by saying much of a chance because nothing's ever 100% when it comes to player projection. But I think it would be a shocking development if Hackenberg ever became a good quarterback. So you can't say that Sanchez would necessarily would have panned out correctly. But I think a guy as inexperienced, a guy as raw as him, a guy who... This game needed some work at that point. was not served well by needing to step in and play on day one. I think there's a second big difference between the Sanchez and the Darnold situations, and I think in a lot of ways it's a positive. Now, you, there are ways you can argue it's a negative, but I think in many ways it's a positive. Is You also have to remember that in 2009, the Jets were a team that, were lo- that was looking to compete. They had just hired Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan made it quite clear that he expected that team to compete and compete big right off the bat. And he was right because his first two years, they did go to the AFC championship game. Now, the issue with that is it's not necessarily the greatest environment in many ways to break in a young quarterback because mistakes are magnified. You know, Sanchez was kind of supposed to be the final piece of the puzzle in those years. The Jets had the defense. They felt like they had the defense in place. They had a lot in place. They had the offensive line. They had the run game. They had good receivers, too. They had quality targets for Sanchez. And these are all pluses. So so in this way, in a way, it's kind of a plus because you broke him in in a very conducive environment in the fact he did not need to carry the load. You know, he didn't He didn't need to go out. He typically did not need to go out there and win games by himself. The, the instances where he had to do that were not that many. And even when he had to, it was typically limited to late-game situations, put together a clutch drive later on, rather than throw the ball 40, 50 times in a game and carry the team to a victory for four quarters. If he had to carry the team on his back, it tended to be limited to a late drive, which is a lot easier to do than to carry a team through the course of an entire game. So, you know, in a way, that actually helped Sanchez, and that's an advantage he will have that Sam Darnold will not. And he certainly had a great offensive line, and that offensive line was a fortress the Jets built. But I think there's a flip side to it, and that's what I focus on more, is the fact there are not any big expectations on this Jets team. And I know people are excited, and listen, I'm excited about Darnold too. I'm not saying don't be excited. But I think it's important to limit your expectations in year one. And I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, if the Jets, listen, if Darnold goes out and plays great, the Jets could be a good team. They could, conti- they could compete for a wild card. But I'm not sure that's where the expectations are in this franchise, and I'm not sure it's where it should be in the fan base or the media. And again, that's not a bad thing because you're not going to focus as much on Darnold making mistakes. And that means it's the focus is going to be more on developing the quarterback rather than winning games. And I think in some ways I'm probably overstating this because the Jets wanted to develop Sanchez back in 2009, 2010. The Jets want to win games with Darnold, but I think the, there's going to be a little bit, there's going to be some, there's going to be less pressure on Darnold now than there was on Sanchez because with Sanchez, the Jets wanted to win games. So every mistake was magnified and the Jets, you know, you kind of get the sense they drilled into him. You know, your job is to avoid mistakes. Your job is to not lose the game, which has its advantages again because you're not putting a full workload, you know, you're not putting, you're not giving him a full plate. But on the other hand, 
what are you drilling into him? Are you trying to prevent him from making mistakes? Whereas with Darnold, you know, I'm just, and again, I, I'm, I don't want you to take this to an extreme because the Jets don't want Darnold to make mistakes. The Jets want Darnold to go out there and play really well. But when expectations are lower, it's a little easier to deal with mistakes. It's a little easier to deal with growing pains. And you can ask your quarterback to do more. You, know, you can take more chances because it's not what Darnold making a mistake is probably not going to be the difference between the Jets not go, going to the Super Bowl, not going to the Super Bowl the way it was with Sanchez. So I think it's a little bit of an easier environment, easier to break him in because expectations aren't as big. He's he's not you know his mistakes are not going to be as magnified because the stakes aren't as high when you're looking at Darnold. Darnold is the first piece of the puzzle, whereas Sanchez was the last piece of the puzzle. Sanchez was this was supposed to be the piece that would take the Jets to the Super Bowl if he if he was a hit. Whereas Darnold is just the first piece of the puzzle. He's the guy they're going to build around. And I think that, you know, it's very difficult to quantify these things, but I think it does make a difference. And I think in a lot of ways, now again, the supporting cast was better, you know, part of the part of the mix here is that, you know, with the expectation, Sanchez was given a better supporting cast, but with the worst supporting cast Darnold has, and it's not as good, look, it's not as good as the Jets had in 2009. This roster's not as good as it was those those years, those early Sanchez years. But that also comes with an advantage in that expectations are not as high, and Darnold is not going to have as much pressure to produce right off the bat as Sanchez did. So I think those are those are a couple of important differences between Darnold and Sanchez. And I think for the most part, these are good things. You know, it's, it's in some ways this is a more conducive environment because this is Darnold's team. That that team, 2009-2010, was never really Sanchez's team. You know, as much as Sanchez was maybe the highest profile player, as much as he was the guy who got the most focus, it was, it was never his locker room. This is going to be Darnold's locker room, and I think that that's a positive thing for the Jets overall. Thanks for listening today. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, two options, and leave the show a good review in iTunes. Hope you have a wonderful Monday.